The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, Coach. Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Before we jump in, I would like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. They are awesome. They rock. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Um, those machines are sturdy. They they will not break down. They were like my old explorer. They run, 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 run. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's your one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Um, it's unlike anything out there, you know, you can join all these other courses, but I'm guarantee you don't get their cell phone number. You don't get one-on-one calls. You don't get, you know, Hey, Tuesday, I need to call with you. Um, that's what teach makes teach different. We have everything you need to become a better basketball coach. Doesn't matter if you're youth, doesn't matter if you're high school, doesn't matter if you're college, we're here to help. We're here to mentor you through this great journey we call coaching. All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to coach unplugged. Coach Winters, I would like you to introduce yourself. I was lucky to be on your roundtable. Was that last week or was it the week before? I can't. That remember. was last week. Yeah, was that that was last week. week. I can never remember where I am, to be honest with you. Um, so, I, have you introduced yourself? You're a neighbor of ours, like you know, next stave over. And, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And then just kind of tell people kind of your synopsis of your coaching journey. Because I think young coaches and coaches that listen to the podcast are always intrigued about how you get from point A to point B. Um, you know, I, yes, actually, yeah, yesterday I was talking to a, a, a guy that had been at the highest level in division one, and now he's coaching his son in high school. It's just, I think it's very intriguing how people's journeys kind of change. So if you could just share that with everybody first, before we yeah. jump into. Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me. Appreciate, yeah. uh, appreciate the opportunity here. And, um, my name is Mike Winters. I'm the varsity boys basketball coach now at McChesney Park Harlem High School. That's in Northern Illinois, just outside of the Rockford area. Uh, so we're about an hour West of the Chicago area an hour south of you in Madison. So we're kind of right in the middle of a, of a bunch of areas here. But uh, Harlem is my fifth stop. Um, I was a head coach at Oregon High School, which is uh, in, in Illinois. We've, got, we've gone from a two-class system to a four-class system. So when I first started 
back in 2001, we were a two class system. So Oregon was a class A school. Um, we were and, we're a, and what's crazy is we're like half the size of your state and we're a five class system. Yeah. See, we, so we've evolved <laughs> to four. So Oregon was my first small school experience. We were my small school. We had about 600 students, but I grew up going to a school of about 2000 kids. Right. Um, started as an assistant coach at that very school that I graduated from Rockford Jefferson. Oregon was my first head coaching job. Like I said, I was 26 years old. Uh, didn't have a clue. Um, found a way to, to win two years in a row there. Uh, my teaching job was eliminated there after one year. Um, so I went, actually went back to Rockford Jefferson. Head coaching job was open at my alma mater. So uh, two years there at Rockford Jefferson. I uh, had a nice run there. Went down and took fourth in the state in the, again, the two-class system. So in Illinois, you have to win eight games back at that time to win a state championship. So we made it to the final four. Um, moved on from there. I got, uh, got riffed two years in a row, which means you have a job in the district, but you don't have necessarily a teaching job in the building you want to be in. And I had our first kid on the way. So I moved on down to Rock Falls, Illinois. Rock Falls is down Interstate 88 in Illinois. It uh, was a great Class A program. And when I got there, it actually got bumped up to double A. So when I, my first year at Rock Falls, we were the smallest double A school in the and state. And double A is the big schools. Double A is the big school. So the cutoff was 735. We were 741. Oh. Um, that team uh, finished in the super section. We lost to Schaumburg in the super section. We had about 3,000 kids. Um, so I had a nice run there. I was there for five years. Um, my wife's teaching job was eliminated in, in the Dixon School District. She's an elementary art teacher. So we moved back to the Rockford area where we're from. And uh, I actually took a job as a financial advisor for about 18 months. And uh, loved it and hated it. Loved the financial side, hated the sales side. A uh, job at uh, Rockford Boiling Catholic opened up. A uh, job that had not been open over 30 years. Uh, Coach Goers had won 881 games there and he retired. I uh, was fortunate enough to, to snag that job and was at Rockford Boiling Catholic for five years Had a nice run there. Um, but, you know, you said your young coaches want to know about this stuff. The private school side of it uh, doesn't pay very well. It doesn't. So uh, I took another year off, went back to school, added a master's degree. I uh, was very fortunate. The, the job in the district we live in opened up at Harlem High School, which is where my kids go to school now. And I'll be able to coach my son. My son was a freshman this year, and I'll be able to coach him over the next three years. So I'm excited so, for that opportunity. So, so what I take away from this is a lot of it was job-driven. Like, it wasn't Absolutely. necessarily coach-driven. It was like – A little yeah. bit of both. I a mean, you bit. want to move up the ladder. And, right. uh, you know, Rock Falls and, and Rockford Boylan are two of the better coaching jobs in the state of Illinois. So I've been very lucky there. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to really have, have, have won everywhere I've went. I think timing is really important, you know, for young coaches. Yeah. Um, it is. You got to be careful of taking a job just to take it because you can get buried there right off the bat. So I've been, you I've can, been you know, I've seen that in our, I've seen that in our league too. It's like, you got to make sure you're, you, yeah, you got to take the right job at the right. I mean, you'll know your gut will tell you, but I've man. been fortunate to walk into a couple of programs that haven't won in the past, but we're ready to win. And I think that's a, me big, too. you know, it makes you, it makes you look good. It, it may have been the guy before you that did a lot of the legwork for you, but it, it, it makes you look good. And it, it makes you more marketable for that next position. You don't want to follow Vince Lombardi. You don't want to follow. No, you know what? And, you don't want to I, follow I, Coach K. You don't well, want to be the next coach at Duke. You want to be the next coach after the next coach at Duke. You know. See, I broke that rule with Boylan though, because Steve oh, Goers was a legend. He was. He was, was the all-time leading wins uh, guy in the state of Illinois. Gene Pingator has passed him since then. Gene passed away, didn't he? He did. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, hoop uh, dreams for people who don't know. Yeah, yeah. Dreams, yep, yep. So uh, the time I took over, Boylan was struggling a little bit. So it maybe was the right time to slide in after a guy like that. 
And, um, you know, we were able to, to go to a couple super sectionals, which again, in Illinois, that's, uh, that's the fifth game in the state tournament, one away from the state tournament. So. Okay. Awesome. All right. So let's, uh, let's go into what you were going to share here. I think you can share the screen with yeah, me. Absolutely. Let's jump into that. And then we'll, uh, we'll go, go to my questions. Cause I have tons of questions. I, I'll, I when I, I, sometimes I won't be looking at you. I'll be writing stuff down, but there you yeah, go. Yeah. So, you know, you and I talked a little bit about just going through some practice planning ideas and, um, got a lot of, of files here that I can share. It is, it is probably, I, I would say in the top five categories of people, questions that people ask or want to know things about is practice planning drills. They want to know about parents and things like that. But um, so I'm very, this is exciting for me. I always love learning new stuff. So. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll clarify some things here. This has evolved quite a bit for me over the years. And I think, you know, having been at five different schools and having been at some places where winning was a head of, there was a very strong winning tradition. Let me, let, let me clarify by saying Harlem is not that place. Like we won a regional my second year and that was the, the second regional title since 1977. And where is regional? So people know everything's different in every state. It's crazy. So a regional is our initial tournament. Um, usually, anywhere from five to eight teams. Okay. Um, okay. So generally at least two wins, a lot of times three wins to win a regional, kind of depending if you get stuck in one of those playing games or not. Yeah, I was just talking to a coach the other way, and we go regional, sectional, state, and they went sectional, regional, state. And it's like okay. yeah, everybody it's, in the country is different as far as the terminology. Yep. So, so, like, regional, so Illinois is regional, sectional, super sectional, sectional. state. Okay. Um, super sectional is a one-game playoff basically to get to state. So Okay. Um, at, uh, so Harlem's, you know, not a lot of tradition. So some of the things we're doing at Harlem is, is new to, not, you know, it's just not what I've traditionally done. So I'll try to clarify some of that stuff okay. as we go. And I know we'll have people watching this. We, we have all kinds of different experience levels with, in terms of where they're at in their program and what type of program and all that stuff. So, you know, none of this is, is hard rules. They're just, like I said, just thoughts and ideas, just things to think right. about. I, I've got a lot of questions written in here just for people to kind of ponder as they plan their practices in the future here. So okay. my, my contact information here, my email address, um, anybody can contact me anytime and I'll share any of this information with them. And I'll share this again at the end of this presentation. Yeah. He'll share. I'll put it in the show notes too, in the bottom of it. So people are listening, don't Perfect. pull your car over, stop your tread. Usually it's people, people listen to podcasts or watch YouTube either by um, they're either mowing the lawn, what podcasts are mowing the lawn, they're jogging right. or exercising or they're commuting. So yeah, we can, uh, we can share 27 this. minutes is the average commute. Normally 27 minutes is the average commute. Be safe here. We'll get you all this. Yeah. Stuff. So, <laughs> so a little bit about me. Um, again, the five schools I've been to, I uh, was very fortunate. The first I've, I've been coaching 17 years now, the first 14 uh, were all winning seasons for me. In fact, not even close to a 500 season. Um, this Harlem job I've had two of the last three years. We've had losing seasons. We were 14 and 16 this past year. Uh, we did a squeeze a 21 season in there and we're, really close to, to kind of stringing some things together Got at Harlem. It. So I'm excited about that. Um, a couple of pictures from a state tournament in Illinois here a couple of different times. And uh, Do you always wear a suit and tie? I, you know, not anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't the, the, the lower left-hand corner, that was a super sectional game back in 2016. Uh, we lost to Pure Emanuel in that one, that tight one. Um, state tournament, absolutely. Uh, I've gotten a lot more relaxed. I'm, I'm, I'm Mike Bray a lot more, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of go, I, I kind of go, you'll love this because we went to a tournament, we got invited to a tournament in Florida and ended up winning and played really well. And Did you it go was Hawaiian Florida. shirt? Huh? You go Hawaiian shirt? No, I didn't go oh. Hawaiian shirt, but I went shorts and cat and, and then we, 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 we had had a little losing streak in Wisconsin before we went and then we went and played really well. 
And then we came back and like two days before we're playing again in Wisconsin. And it's January now in Wisconsin. The boy says, you're going to keep wearing that, right, coach? Because we haven't lost. Of course you are. And I go, well, what do you mean? They go, well, we haven't lost. You're going to keep wearing that. So I ended up wearing it like all of January. We ended up losing like early February to one of the top teams in the state. But I get – and the officials are looking at me like, what are you doing? And it's like, actually, this is relatively comfortable. Like, you can't mess not. with the streak, man. That's sacred. <laughs> that is sacred. Never mess with the streak. <laughs> uh, these days, if I'm wearing a tie, it's usually a pullover. You know, like like I got on like a quarter zip pullover yeah. to tie. But if I'm wearing a suit, I usually don't wear a tie. So it's Yeah, and, then, and it's like I'm like Buzz Williams, man. I just sweat too. You can buy these like – you can buy these things, but it just gets hot in that suit jacket. It does. I, absolutely. So just, uh, again, I, I know we've got a, a wide range of, of experience level out there probably taking a listen to this. Um, so just some questions to start off here when, when planning practices. What, what expectations do you have in place for your program? And I think, you know, I'm talking more about your lower levels. Do your freshman coach, your sophomore coach, we have control from seventh grade on up. We actually have two seventh grade teams, two eighth grade teams that feed into a school of about 2,000, uh, about 2,000. So just to clarify that, we have uh, quite a bit of control. Um, so that's, you know, and how much that, do you feed them for what you want? So we're going to go through a lot of that. Actually. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to show that I, I okay. feed them a lot. I, okay. I really want uh, structure and I want, um, I want it to translate. Like one of the questions that I'll, I'll get to here is, is what does it look like if a kid moves up a level? Um, <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be a lot of work for the kid when they move up a level. Oh, it shouldn't be a learn. There shouldn't be a learning curve. There should be some continuity there. So what's your rule on moving up? You know, I very rarely move to start the season. Um, Generally, I want to see some success at, at the level they're at first. Um, and in some cases, this year was interesting because the freshman class, our freshman class went 26 and three. My son was a part of that class. We had four kids that we did eventually move up to the sophomore level. Right. Our freshmen were playing so well together. We didn't really want to break up that continuity. So we kind of purposely waited until later in the season and then allow them to play both levels. And Illinois, I know, Wesley, I always thought I made a mistake with Wesley not moving him up when he was a freshman, and we, they just did a special on it, and he basically told the guy that was interviewing, he said, Coach made a good decision keeping us down because it taught us how to win. It's, a, it's like, See, and I, yeah, and I didn't move my NBA guy up. It's like, oh, I, you know, yeah, it's hard. That's such a hard call. It is. It's a delicate balance, and you it want is. them to win. And this, this group, you know, won our, our conference title and won their postseason tournament and all that stuff. Right. But those four kids from about Christmas time on played both levels. They played okay. a lot of games, um, but they were, you know, they were physically ready for that. So okay. another question I've got to do your lower level coaches know or have some type of guide to plan their practices. I've got a couple of things I'll show you here that, that, that we hand out to them and we kind of go through with them. Um, but yeah, the next question, what would the transition be like for a player moving up a level midseason? It, it, the kid is going to be a little stressed out moving up in most cases the last thing they need is to be learning new language, new drills, new sets. Generally, as they move up a level, there might be a couple more sets they have to learn. Like, like maybe your sophomores are running more than your freshmen and so on. Right. But it shouldn't be, you know, the, the, there should be a lot of continuity that should help them feel comfortable. So if, if they're, you know, if you can't answer that question, if, if you're answering that question and it's like, man, I don't really know, or yeah, there is a lot of change. You really need to think about how you're structuring practices program wide. So we give out two things here. Um, our, our lower level practice, uh, I'm going to start with this one here. Okay. Well, I got permissions here. Our practice breakdown for our lower levels 
is this is basically what we give them. It's it's nothing earth shattering, but it's it's just kind of a guide for <laughs> an average two hour practice. Um, what time should be spent on five minute stretch and warm up? We you know di- we do dynamic stretching like most people do. I think um, got our kids moving. Our trainer is fantastic with that. So I, I honestly don't even know the routine. Our trainer is so good, and then our kids teach our kids. And usually we're busy getting things ready for practice, so they do a good job managing that. We start with a drill called perfection at every level. Um, for us, and I'll talk more about this later in detail, but this is, you can see this is here. If, if anybody wants yep. that, I can send that to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Or really basic drills. Um, but perfection for us is if, if they make any type of mistake, we start them over. So at Harlem, we have not been super, we, when we got there, we realized the kids weren't always super competitive. So we wanted right. them competing from the minute they stepped on the court. Um, and is first, it the same, is perfection the same drill or it's is the it? Same, it's the same set of four drills every single day. Okay. Six minutes on the clock. If they fumble a pass, they start over. If they don't communicate, they start over. If they don't pivot correctly, they start over. If they don't bounce pass to a shooter, they start over. They miss a layup, they start over. So we're putting pressure on them the minute they step on the court. It's a lot of simple fundamentals of six, six minutes worth of passing, catching, jump stops, bounce passes. Uh, rebound outlet pivot stuff Um, a lot of details in our rebound outlet if they don't pivot outside and throw an overhead pass we start them over Um, again just kind of hammering some basic fundamentals in but getting them to compete at the same time right at the start of practice okay our lower levels um, you know again this is a freshman sophomore middle school type practice we're doing some type of ball handling whether it be scoring off the dribble Uh, sometimes as simple as just attacking a chair and giving them a single crossover move double crossover move Really coaching them on change of speeds. Um, you know, we don't get the best athletes. We get good athletes. We don't get the best athletes in our league, so we have to be deceptive. So really coaching that process. About 20 minutes of shooting most days. Um, our, and we'll talk more about shooting drills a little later, but I think it's really, really paramount that young coaches are running drills that give their kids the opportunities to score in games. Their drills should – let me restate that. Your drills need to mimic – the opportunities they have to score in games. Yes, so if you're not analyzing your offense and the footwork and the cuts and all those things that they're doing in your offense, whatever that is, right? the drill really – it's not a drill you should use. And I think right. when I was a young coach, I used a lot of drills just because I liked them. And Coach K used them or Bobby Knight used right. them. <laughs> and as I got older, I started realizing, like, I love this drill and there's a lot of good stuff, but it doesn't really translate to the way we play. So right. I think that's really important for coaches – and especially with shooting. And it takes more time to do that. It takes, it takes concerted effort and it takes thought and it takes time to think about what I need to do. But yes. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think you don't need to go find a drill, make the drill up. Yeah. You know what I mean? We do a lot of high post entry stuff. Our point guard was our best score this year. So we tried to throw, we had, we, we would throw a lot of elbow high post lobs to start our offense, trying to get his guy to turn his head. And then we'd put him in different cuts and things like that. He wasn't fantastic off the dribble. He was just the best we had at point guard. Right. Now he's our point guard and our best scorer. So we've got him doing a lot of cuts, you know, V cuts, fake a screen away, come back for handoff, stuff like that. So we, you know, a lot of our drills were, I'm, I'm the high post. They just lob it into me. They, they, you know, they make their cut, their footwork, they come back and they, they score off of that a lot. So just, that's just one example, but make sure you analyze how Can you, you show me PDFs. What's that? Can you click on one of those PDFs. I can. Um, let me let so me see. There's uh there's a lot later on. Why don't why don't we get to this really okay. quick? And I, I do have those okay. later on in LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. Me, Perfect. But a, a lot of those shooting drills are not linked in this because, like I said, we just kind of make them up. And my assistant, you know, we do a lot on the gun. You know, it's just like this is just what we're running this set a lot right now. Let's get a lot of footwork in off of this. Certain cuts, we just you know folding chips. You're cutting off of this this screen at this end. 
angle and you're gonna take a lot of shots from that spot because that's where you get in the game so. yeah i think i think it's the reads too like why are you shooting elbow shots if you never shoot elbow shots in a game it's like exactly well, it's yeah yeah and pre-practice is a lot like that too you know if that's not you then don't spend your time on that but right uh villanova series for us again i've got a, a pdf later for this it's okay. available the villanova series is just playing off at two feet um we played against jalen Bruns brunson the super sectional uh back in 2013 here and and uh I loved watching Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson was so good at, at jump stopping in the paint and pivoting out of pressure and finding ways to make his teammates better. And so I went looking at that, some of that stuff that Jay Wright does in practice. They do a lot of stuff off of two feet, finishing around the basket off of two feet. In our practices, we finish off of two feet more than we do one foot. We force it off of two because I think in a game, they'll go off of one on their own when they, when they have the opportunity. They so, will. Um, but I don't think playing off of two is natural. So I think you have to force that a little bit. So it's more under control. It looks more in control too. So officials like that, I'm telling you. And it's hard to guard. You know, if you're a dribble drive guy, you know your goal is to get to the elbow and it's it's just hard to guard. You get guys turning and, and trying to see. It's hard to see man and ball when it gets there. And, and um, so there's a lot of good stuff that we do there. There's about eight different drills. We'll usually pick about five of them in, in two minutes at a time. Just boom, 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 get them through. Um, we've got a defender closing out every time just to maximize that drill. So the defender closes out, but then he's done. And then the offensive guy is doing whatever whatever two-foot finish we we give them early on. So defensive breakdowns, I've got a, a book. I'll show you on that a little bit later. Too. Are you clicking on your PowerPoint? I'm not. No, I'm not yet. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure you're not moving it because it's like, holy crud. Okay. Go ahead. And Keep then – uh, 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes on free throws. We'll talk about that situation. Yep. And then scrimmage situations, conditioning. That's usually about 30 minutes of practice. How much is scrimmage? Usually about lower levels, no more than 30 minutes. Um, okay. You know, and that's, that's kind of, I don't know if you consider that scrimmage. It's controlled. We're stopping it. You know, we're teaching. We want our lower level guys really focusing more on skill and development than we do sets. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's hard. I'm telling you, that's hard for the lower levels to do that. It was hard for me as a young coach, you know, because you, you think you, you want to win, so you think you have to be able to run sets. And, and the older I get, the more I move away from that. We run a lot of sets, but we still – we never cut the skill development stuff. Just – and then some thoughts for our lower levels. How many players are engaged physically? Um, you know, if you've got 10, 12 guys standing, that's, that's never a good thing. How many do you have at your lower levels, like number-wise? So our freshman had 20 this year. Okay. I grew up, uh, my first job coaching freshmen, I had 25 players and no assistant coach. And one team? And my brother-in-law was the head coach, and he would come around the corner in our back gym, and if there were guys standing, boy, he started screaming. So we had to learn how to – I had to learn how to set up station drills and, and really just kind of train guys to move and keep them engaged and keep them active. So you learn a lot when you do that. I think, And that's why I think coaching freshmen is invaluable. If, you've got a, if you're at a bigger school and you've got that big roster – Man, you learn a lot about how to organize a practice right then and there. Very quickly. Yep, <laughs> or you're going to lose them, yes. Yep. Next question, how many players are engaged mentally? Uh, this should always be all of them. Um, they, kids are quiet because they don't always know what to say. So if you're coaching at a lower level, you have to go through, this is what we're saying in this situation. you got to coach the guys on the sideline every bit as much as you coach the guys on the floor. And I know during a game, I coach the bench, even though they're not playing, just because I want them to learn from situations. They, the guys right. can't always listen to me, so I'm always talking to somebody. But I think in a game, you've got to coach the guys on the sideline. You know, teach them how to be leaders. I added something to this just, just recently. Download the, the decibel meter app. There's a, a, I know. App. I did that already. I'm telling you. Know, you. you and, and, that's, and I stole that from Ryan Brown, who's in our, our coach's virtual roundtable every Wednesday night. And um, just a great idea. As assistant coach has it, if it's quiet, he, you can pause it and show guys. Look, we're at a 42 right now. 
um, which I think is really cool. So I haven't had a chance to use it yet because I learned about it in the quarantine here, and uh, I'm excited about that. So kind of kind of add some legitimacy to, hey, you know, it's too quiet in here. Um, if practices are designed well, shouldn't be a huge need for conditioning. I, I want my conditioning to be basketball movements as much as possible. So, um, you know, there's always going to have to be some, especially early in the season. But if you need to do a lot of it, I think you need to reevaluate the way you're planning practices. Probably too much standing, not enough. Yeah. Not enough movement. I, I just, even, even at early, I, yeah, only early do I find that I actually have to do some. Um, yep. And we do, we do yeah. five weeks of conditioning preseason. And then we okay. try to maintain that till that first game. And then we really back off of that. And again, if, if we feel like guys are getting tired in games, that's on us for not playing in practice as well. Right. Um, so that's kind of, um, that's, that's what we give our lower level. Seventh grade through our 10th grade has that as a guide. Okay. And then, you know, we use, uh, we use Google, uh, we have a Google drive that we use that they can post all of their, uh, all of their, um, practice practice plans, plans. And, like that. And, they can yeah, and, I, and i use slack so yeah. i mean yeah you told me that i like that i'm getting ready to, I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out here pretty soon and, and see how that helps us that might help you I, I find google drive just not as intuitive but it's it, it works but um black would be better for us anyways because we have some teachers we have a lot of coaches that are not teachers so our domain is tough for them to navigate so yeah I'm definitely looking forward to digging into that yeah it's more like dropbox like i was saying last week yeah our middle school is a weird setup. Our, our middle school program lasts about eight weeks. They get about four practices before their first game. It's, uh, it's, it's tough, but we give them this. Um, this is in addition to what we just went through. We just okay. tried to simplify some essentials on, on for them. And if we can get them doing this by the time they become freshmen, you know, we can kind of take it from there. And, and, really and when does that start? When does that end? So they start um, mid-October, and they're done by the first week in December. It's, uh, it, it's a really, really strange. So with our middle school, our facilities are not good. We have two courts. We've got about like, probably 800 kids in that building. So we have, like I said, we have two seventh-grade teams, two eighth-grade teams, and then they're done and the girls start. So they need that gym space. So it's, it's just really tight. It's a tough job. Our middle school coaches probably have the toughest job in our, in our district, but – and then what do they do post, what do they do post that then? Then they go play like travel or do something? Yeah. So what we do, that's a great question. So what we do is we take, you know, we have two teams of 15 at each level. So we have 30 kids at each level. We'll narrow that down to 12. We'll go put them in a couple of travel tournaments. And then there is an, an IESA state tournament that starts in February, late January, early February. So we put okay. them in that. So okay. The chance for, I like the two separate teams. I don't need my best five players in seventh grade playing together. I just need my top 10 playing. You know what I mean? So right. we have 10 starters at each level and uh, just an opportunity for them to get more reps. The parents don't like it because they want to win and let's put our best. Right. Uh, that's just not the way we do it. I don't, I don't believe in that at that level. I don't think winning is the most important thing. I want as many guys playing and developing as possible. So. Right. Cause you never know. I know. But that IESA term, it's been a nice kind of middle ground for us where they get to kind of team up together and take the top 12, and then they get to go play a few tournaments together and get a little taste of it. Let's see how good you are, yeah. 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 Yep. So our defensive essentials are there. You know, again, I'm not going to read all this. So I, know, I know time is important here, but you can, you can kind of see, and if anybody wants this, we can send it to them. Okay. Um, you know, we really simplified defense. Get back on defense, close out under control, jump to the ball, box out. If we can do those things – Coming out of eighth grade, you know, again, that's those are the essentials. We we can build off of you know defending ball screens and, and doing a lot of that other stuff a lot. 
a lot easier if we have that stuff under control. Offensively, again, we're talking about playing off of two feet, uh, fakes. Um, our primary break, our five-man break, we've got uh, first post running to the rim, second post trailing, probably not unlike most people. Right. Uh, a couple sets that we use, um, just we, we run numbered sets. Um, our, we number like our primary break drill, we'll go five trips, everybody gets a shot. Six trip, we're running set, set six. Seventh trip, we're running seven. So they learn them by numbers, set six, okay. seven, eight, nine, ten as some of our secondary breaks. So when you see that, that's just kind of our, it's what's worked for us system-wise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some playbook stuff. We give them a little bit of leeway with the playbook, but we, don't, we really tell them, you know, these guys are playing three games a week and getting one or two practices a week. So we've got to nail down these essentials and just hammer those. And I love that you call it essentials because it's true. It's like this is essential what they, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then just, you know, his own set, a uh, little bit of, of dribble drive, uh, more for the breakdown drills than the actual uh, dribble drive offense. But we have a set of breakdown drills, which I also have linked up here, which we can uh, okay. get to everybody as well. So Okay, perfect. Uh, we also have a glossary of terms, and I'm, I'm not going to show you that, but it's about – Okay, so what's on your screen right now? Uh, I've, got, I've got the PowerPoint on my screen. What, but what does it say? Is it say the oh glossary turns? I see it. Yep, yep. Yeah. I didn't see that another line came in. Yep, yep. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm I'm a freak about time management. Um, so we have a glossary of terms, and and I, you know I don't expect our coaches to use all. I think I've got fifty or sixty of them in there, but try to to incorporate them as much as possible because I, I hate that. I don't know how you are. I hate that beginning of the next year, beginning of a new season, or beginning of summer when you get contact days. And you're, you're, you're trying to describe something to a kid and they're looking at you like they have no clue. And you spend five minutes showing them and they're like, oh yeah, coach so-and-so called it this. That drives me nuts. You know, so I'm, I'm really big on that glossary of terms. I, I think that's a, that's a huge thing for people listening to. It's because it's, it's, um, it's like math. I'm a math teacher. Math, it, it's a foreign language. It's a foreign language, basically. It's a universal language is math. But you have terms. You have things that, you know, if you take a math class, going on the next in the math class, you need to know. It's the exact same I don't want my freshman coaches using one term and me using a different one. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, um, from a time management standpoint, it's, it's, been, it's been really, really good for us. All right, moving on here. Pre-practice, just a couple of thoughts on pre-practice. I don't know what your practice schedules look like. I know there's times where the girls are done at 6 and you're on at 6. So there really isn't a pre-practice. It's like, let's stretch and let's go. If you're in a situation where you do have the court for pre-practice, just a thought here. If it's 10 minutes and you have 70 practices, that's 700 minutes of skill development. 700 minutes of skill development versus the casual shoot around, the I occasional half-court shot. Um, that's a lot of time when you think of it in those terms. I've had teams where we've had to really structure this and, and just hammer them, and you get more experienced teams where they do a pretty good job of doing it on their own, um, given the feedback that you give them based on what they need to work on. So, you know, how tight we've been on that really depends on the team. Uh, I think it is. I think part of it, uh, yeah, part of it's reading your team too. I had to get really tight on this year's team because they were too close. Um, and they were just doing this. I mean, it's like, don't waste this time that we're sitting here while we're getting everything ready. Um, 
I think that's a great statistic though. You know, it's, I think we've, we, there's days where we've, we've said, this is your pre-practice assignment. And there's right. days where we've had groups like, you know, or, or there's days where we've just had, you know, you know, your scouting report. All right. Make sure you're working. On I that. tell them it's their selfish time. It's your time. It's yes. your time to get better. Selfish. It's not like our that. time. It's your time. So I like, I like that. There's a time yeah. to be selfish and that's certainly it. Yeah. Yeah. So do your players know what they should work on during this time? It kind of depends again on where you're at program wise. Um, conditioning and practice. I already really talked about this. You know, if you, if you need to do a lot of extra running, you're probably not working them hard enough through the process or it's not organized well enough to where they're jumping from drill to drill and, and moving enough. I don't know if we do any segment longer than 10 minutes, Steve. I, I think even a, a scrimmage segment is like one quarter, probably a running clock. And then we're bringing them back together and we're moving. Do you run a clock during practice? We do. We have a manager on the clock all the time in practice. Um, I think that's important. I think kids can see that last. And then you can really, really, when they know it's done in 30 seconds and you can say finish. Uh, it, it's the same as finishing the last 30 seconds in a quarter in a game or whatever that, you know, whatever is important to you that you have It's to big for me too. Cause it keeps me on like, shoot, we're not like, we're not, we're, we're doing some shell stuff or we're not work. We're not, our rotations are horrible. I, I want to sit there for 20 minutes and try to get right. And it just keeps me on, it keeps me yeah. on task. Yeah. yeah. Kids aren't wired that way. You know, they no, don't want 20 minutes of it. And, and the older I get, the less I want 20 minutes of it too. That doesn't mean we won't come back to it if we need to. Right. You know? Um, you know, we're flexible on that. We'll come back to it if we need to. But again, all of our conditioning, we want to become the way of skill work. I would rather them, you know, we're not great off the dribble. So we'll do a ton of stuff where we're just at half court coming downhill and attacking. And, and we really, really emphasize hesitate and then be explosive. Like you're shot out of a cannon to go finish. Um, we'll do 10 minutes of that where it's just continuous. They're running from one basket to the next and, and just attacking. And, and that's, to me, that's more, much more valuable conditioning. Don't get me wrong. There's not times where I'm not mad and we don't run just to run. You know, <laughs> I think we all do try that. To avoid yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, so in, in our running and practice, primarily if you lose, you know, if you lose or something, even that's not a lot. It's half court and back. If they, if they work their butts off, it's full court and back. No, I, um, I was talking to a coach the other day. It's like, I try to make a lot of things competitive. It doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter what the, when they lose what it is, it can be, you know, three burpees. It can be a one push up. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you won, you lost. Yeah. Sometimes. You know. And sometimes we try to make that fun where you've got to right. give somebody in their team a piggyback ride across the court. Yeah, we do the wheelbarrow one once yeah, in a while too. That's one too. So, you know, you can, it doesn't always have to be about punishment, but it's, it's just, okay, we lost, you know, right. we got, you got to remember that. Uh, so I went to a clinic a few years back, two years ago, I think I was at the Nike clinic, uh, Chicago area, Bob Huggins is speaking. Oh, I love this. I love this. Huggy is, Huggy is super chill now. It, it, it's so funny. And he's had like eight heart attacks. So he's, you know, he's really laid back now. Um, I've seen him back in the old days where he was just yelling, screaming, even at clinic, he's yelling at people. Right. Um, so somebody asked him, you know, you, you seem, you seem different. You seem really relaxed. You know, tell me what's changed. He's like, you know, it took me forever to figure this out, but I don't yell and scream anymore at practice. We went and bought three treadmills and we line them up at half court and we're doing our defensive breakdown stuff. If, if you can't do what we're asking you to do, or you're not in the right spot, he goes, all I do is just point and say treadmill. And the kids go over there and there's a manager waiting and they got to run two minutes at 17 miles per hour. And the best part of the story was, you know, he's talking about freshmen and freshmen like, coach, how fast is 17 miles per hour? And, you know, Huggy would, he would say, well, let's go outside and you stand in front of my car and I'll show you. <laughs> and, uh, and his story continues with, you know, 
kids, once kids get on that treadmill at 17 miles an hour for two minutes, we send them right back to the drill. And you know what happens? They're too tired to do it. So they go back to the treadmill. They go back to the drill. They go back to the treadmill. And he goes, they never want to get on that treadmill again. And it was, it, it was a learning to a teaching tool for him. Now we left that clinic and I'm talking to my staff. It's like, you know, what's going to be our treadmill? Cause we can't afford three treadmills. This line right. happen, but we can't move them in out of the gym and we'll probably get fired if we do that to a kid, you know, somebody's going to complain. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this extreme for us. It's just a, it's just a heavy ball. We, we have, um, every, every rack, every, every level has three or four, like three and a half pound balls. Yep. And when they're in on the right spot defensively, we just, our coaches have them under their arm all the time. Like I've got one, my assistant's got one. We just call their name and just toss it to them. They know they grab it and we'll, we'll tell them why as they're running and we're just on to the next spot in the drill. And that's something we've incorporated. Every level does it. And it's kind of become our thing. Like it's not a, it's not earth shattering, but our kids have kind of taken pride in it. We had a group of seniors in year two that got to the point where they would ask for the ball. Like they would know, like I'm not in the right spot. They would turn and just show me their hands and ask for the ball. And so, so, I think so what I love about this too, so the treadmill, what I love about the treadmill is you can't cheat the treadmill. Like no. you can, it, 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 you're, going, you're going for two minutes at 17 okay. miles an hour. You can't cheat it. Like line grabbers or whatever, they cheat sometimes. The same thing with this weighted ball. I love this, that they, you, you have to do the laps and you have to put it above your head. You know, you're not worried about speed of the laps. You're worried about they got to do the laps and it's above their head. Yep. Yeah. And they're running right around where we're working. So they're still engaged in the drill. They're still, and right. when they, when we, you know, they're, they're still talking to their teammates while they're running. Like, like I love that. trying to keep them out of it, you know, trying to keep the heavy ball out of their hands. So that's, that's been really good for us. That's been our treadmill. It's, it's not, again, it's not anything earth shattering, but it's something our kids have embraced and they kind of take pride in it, you know, and, the, and they, the kids and the, the freshman kids will walk through our gym or practice and they'll see it and they're like, oh, they can relate to it. Done. I'm stealing that one. I'm going, so I'm going to tell if, if my weight guy is listening, I'm stealing a couple medicine balls out of the weight room. So well, Absolutely. There we, go. You know, we buy the, so get on Amazon, Spalding sells those things for about 40 bucks. And then you can incorporate them in a lot of po low post drills and things like oh, so that. So it's an actual, it's an actual ball. It is. It is. Okay. They I've, I've, really I've well. We do a lot of like just uh, drop step layup drills in our yeah. post breakdowns and things like that. So we get a lot of use out of those. Okay. Uh, again, pre-practice with court space allows. I know everybody's got different situations they're dealing with practice wise. Um, dynamic stretching is important for us. Kids are moving. Um, really trying to, one thing with dynamic stretching, I'll go back to make sure they're on balance. Sometimes the kids are talking and they're not and their, their head is off center and they're, they're doing the quad pulls and stuff and they're, they're falling forward. And we're constantly reminding them like, fellas, if you're varsity athletes, you should be on balance when you're doing dynamic stretching. And it's, it's really more of a focus thing. It is. Um, it's not that they can't talk while they're doing it, but they've got to make sure they've got enough focus to where they're on balance all the time. We'll get them together for a quick meeting. We usually have an emphasis of the day offensively, defensively, or both. Uh, thought of the day. Um, sometimes the thought of the day is just, you know, it's just as simple as who we're playing, you know, what they do well, um, why it's a big game, why it's important, all that stuff. Doesn't have to be anything, again, earth shattering, but just something to focus on, um, something that so that they know you have an emphasis and a focus for the day. Um, perfection, we already talked about that. Um, you know, that's that drill. And again, I can send you the four drills. It's yeah, just I'd a three man weave, three man straight, two man straight. Uh, we never do two-man passengers while we're sliding. I just – we don't ever do that on offense. You never, yeah, you never do it in a game. Sprinting. Um, we're always a bounce pass to a layup. Uh, rebound outlet drills I think are just important, especially if you like to run. Um, so, again, for us, that was 
we're competitive right from the get go. You are going to win or lose in the first six minutes of practice. And it's, and you're accountable to your teammates. So for us, we start 80% of our practices with that. Everyone's always switch it up just to switch it up. But we start 80% of our practices with that. Um, so again, just a little bit more about perfection, which we've already talked. And about. do you just yell perfection? Yeah, they know. Well, they'll see, they'll see the time on the clock. Our manager will have the six minutes. They'll know it's a perfection day. Do you, um, do, do kids know all your drills? Um, I think by Christmas they do, you know, there's, there's drills that we, I call substitute drills, you know, okay. there's the essentials and then there's a, all right, let's just do something different today. Um, okay. sometimes, you know, but, but we're again, I'm, I should, I should tell everybody this. I'm at that stage in life where I'm still, well, my kids are 14 and 11. Okay. I'm coaching travel softball year round. Right. <laughs> I, I, I coached travel baseball for a long time. I just switched over to my daughter's softball team this year. So even during our season, we have indoor practice two nights a week. Right. And she's got basketball practice and I'm running her to that stuff. So I am probably the highest level of efficiency that I can possibly find. If there's something I can tweak to be more efficient, I'm going to do it. So um, not everybody's in that same situation. When I was a young coach, I had, I could, I could stay after practice for an hour with kids. I could practice for three hours. I could do whatever I wanted to do. Right. Um, I just can't. No, and I, and that, that, that's what I'm asking. It's like, I think there's, can be efficiency in the sense that that transition, if you talked about the, you know, the 10 minutes in pre-practice, I think young coaches that transition from, from drill A to drill B, if the more, the more efficient you can make the movement from A to B is you, I think yeah, you, so, you're, you can make a two hour practice, an hour and 40 minute practice and still do the exact same stuff if you can make those transitions faster and more precise. And that's why we've cut down on the number of drills we do. We repeat the same drills a lot more than I used to when I was younger, but it's just about call it out. They know it. And, and yeah. we're really big on echo yells. Um, you may call them different things, but I don't always yell it out. Sometimes I just tell one kid, hey, here's what's next. And if they don't get it done in 10 seconds or less, we're running. Yeah, you know, I Because that. That, I think when you, when, you, when you train them to echo your voice – you talked about last week on, on our round table um, about playing in that, that you want to play in those sectional championship games, it's right? At high school level gym. There's three, you know, two to 4,000 people in there. It's, it's the loudest place you're going to play and they have to be able to, to operate in that environment. They're not all going to hear you, but they have to be able to, to echo what they hear. Do and you, so that starts uh, do you in a use a whistle? I do not use a whistle at all. I, you, there, I there are very few of us. I bet we're in like the 10%. I've never used a whistle in 30 years. I heard this once and it stuck with me. I can't blow a whistle in a game to get them to listen to me. That's exactly what I, I, I said. I want them to be in tune with my voice. Absolutely. You know, the whistle is probably wrong if any official's listening. So <laughs> I don't care about what the whistle sound. I care about them hearing me if they can. Um, so yeah, you and I are in the minority. Trust me. I, I keep asking people about that, and it's like, ooh, I just don't – I don't know. So I don't yeah, have a well, voice. I, I, I'm surprised <laughs> that, you, you know, you say you and I are the minority, and I, I agree with you. I know that, and I'm still surprised by that. I know. They have to be able to operate from your voice. They do. You know, that's essential. They've got to be able to pick it out in a loud game, you know. Right. <laughs> um, versus their mom screaming at them from the third row. <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. They can pick my voice out versus mom's voice. Yes. Um, so 15 to 20 minutes of, of defensive breakdowns. Uh, we use really five to six different drills. That includes our rebounding drills. They call it out. They know what it is. We start with a transition drill, five on four plus one, where we're just at a disadvantage. Um, so our, our guys in transition are playing a diamond zone, stop the ball, protect the rim. 
and they transition from a diamond zone to man to man when they're down a man. So um, it's just those are concepts we work on every day. Stop the ball. We need a rim protector. And then uh, we've got to get that fifth guy matched up. Um, so it's, it's really just about protect the paint is what it is. But it's in a, we go in a diamond shape. So we practice that in our transition drill. So, you know, we just – I used to have probably a 10-point principle defensively, and I really simplified it. Like, we got to get back. If we don't get back, we're getting scored on. We've got to be able to close out under control. If we can't close out under control, we get beat off the dribble, we probably get scored on. We've got to be able to jump to the ball. If we can't jump to the ball, we probably get scored on. And we've got to be able to communicate through uh, when we're in scramble mode. We've got to be able to communicate through that and get guys off the three-point line and finish the box out. So that's really what our drills do. And a lot of our drills, we do multiple. You know, we're, we're covering a lot of that all at the same time. Um, so our defensive drills breakdown, let me show you this really quick here. So this is our, um, again, this is our five on four plus one. Really simple concept. I call a name, they run and touch the baseline. I'm throwing the ball to one, one of the guys on the baseline and they're running their break and, and flying down the floor. Really, really, really about communication. Again, that diamond for us, just stop the ball, protect the rim, uh, protect the wings so you can get shooters off that three-point line in transition. Um, we, we, this is probably a four-minute drill. It's usually okay. we, we keep score. We give a point for every possession. Either the offense gets a point or the defense gets a point. So you can, you can get a stop and then go down and score. You get two points on that trip. Um, okay. So again, I, again, this is available. I don't want to spend too much time. Yeah, don't. You, you, you we'll, we'll put we'll put this in the show notes. People can. We move to a really simple closeout. Jump to the ball drill. You close out on the ball. They throw to the wing. You jump to the ball hard. And we want our jump to the ball really athletic, big body language, take up space. Um, so we practice it every day. This is a, a two minute drill. Sometimes ninety seconds. Good closeouts. Jump to the ball hard. Communicating through the entire process. Um, so we go from transition defense to closeouts. I stole this from Augustana uh, University, Gray Giovanni, a couple years ago at a clinic. Um, really good drill. It's a six-man closeout drill. Kind of a crossfire. You're, the X3 is going to roll it out to one, close out high hands. Pass goes to the top. X2 closes out on two. We jump to the ball. Um, X3 or X1 closes out on three on that reversal. Again, you see and, and when you're running these, are you, are you looking for things? Are your assistants looking for things? Are the other kids looking for things? So our emphasis, again, is, is, is those essentials. The, right. the closeout, closeout and jump to the ball are huge right now. Okay. Combined with communication. So if we're not doing those three things, that's where the heavy ball is coming your way. Okay. And when three touches it here, we're live. We're playing three-on-three three live. Um, I think if, if you're not playing three-on-three three drills, you, you probably need to because it makes the game a lot harder. It's, it's harder to get stops three on three. Um, and offensively, you can get some really cool screen and roll action and things going with, with, with good spacing. So I, I think it's essential. This, again, is a four-minute drill for us probably. Okay. And, again, we're keeping score. You know, stops, stops get you a point. We only score on stops on this one, okay? Yep. So we have an, we have an orange team and a black team. Um, we're subbing in for our own team. And then we're switching over offense, defense. Every How, do you, during practice, do you do a lot of the subbing or do you have the kids do the subbing? I have the kids do a lot of it. So Again, I. I want them to control a lot of stuff. We, you know, everybody's getting reps. Um, when it needs to be controlled, I'll control it. When we're scrimmaging more and I want to see combinations and things, I'll control right. it. Right. That's when I'll jump in too. But most of the time it's like, I got other things to worry about. Just jump yeah. in the drill. Tell the kid, these, I mean, everyone's going to need a break. If you're working hard enough, you're going to need one. So don't, yeah. Yep. And again, if they don't need breaks, you need to reevaluate the way you're running your practice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, our eight man closeout drill is the exact same drill, but you notice we have four and X four and we're just, we're defending a ball screen. In this case, it's a side screen and roll. 
Um, we're really simple. Make them use it. Hard hedge and recover. Um, I know more and more, more and more schools and systems are going to force left all the time. Um, I'm intrigued by that. I haven't gone there yet. Um, we're still kind of in those building stages. We're heading into year four now um, where I'm at. And, um, you know, it's just, I like the option to trap. So make them use it. Obviously it gives you that option to trap. Yeah. And the force left is interesting. I, we will force, we'll force short corner yep. both sides. We'll keep you on one side of the court. Um, we're the same. Yeah. The same. We'll, we'll do that. Um, the force left thing is interesting. I'm, I, I it's intriguing. It's intriguing. It's, I'll say that. I, I'm still having a little trouble wondering if it's too difficult, if it's just thinking too much. I mean, uh, the forcing to the short corners, hard, keeping it on the sides hard enough at times sometimes. But, and I, you know, I, I'm a pretty high energy guy. When we're in a game situation, it, actually, all of these drills, I'm screaming no middle, no middle, no. I say no right. middle more than anything. I say jump to the ball more than anything. I just jump more than anything. Just constant reminders because if one guy's flat footed, Boom. All of a sudden, you get beat on a help to helper situation. Yep, you so do. Those are things I'm screaming and I'm high energy. And in a game, oh my gosh, if we're defending in front of our bench and, and it's right in front of me, I'm I'm reminded, keep it here, keep it here, keep it here, keep it here, just yelling and screaming at them. Because I think in, in high school, I think you can gain a huge advantage doing that. I do too. College, I think that's more difficult. But um, hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14 day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.